Good day, everyone. It's your girl, Queenie, here with the Relationship Zone, where we talk about love, life, and all things relationships. Thank you for joining me today. And today, my special guest is none other than the beautiful Beth W. Smith. Um, welcome, Beth. Thank you so much. So good to see you. Um, just to give a little bit of history for those of you that are listening, um, today we're going to be talking about more, more so the lifestyle of being a minimalist. Um, so I met Beth via the internet. Thank God for social media. Um, and she, what would we have done without it? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and Beth posted this really groovy picture of her house and it stopped me. And I could not help but invite her to be a guest because I wanted to know more. So Beth, I am super excited about digging into your lifestyle, <laughs> learning more about you and how you have become this amazing minimalist. So let's get started. Excellent. So, um, you know, when I had done the whole corporate life and, and I had all the titles, and I really realized that that wasn't making me happy. Um, and my hubby and I had the corporate things. We had traveled all over the country and I was living in Seattle, but my family was in Atlanta. And um, we decided it was time to come home. But we knew that, and when we moved back, I had a corporate job and we moved into a 3,000 square foot rental house with a pool. And we didn't bring that much back from Seattle, but we decided to go fill it up. In fact, my friends found us once on Auction Kings, which is a TV show. We okay. were bidding on something and that was going in our 3000 square foot house. Um, and uh, so people will from time to time tell us that they've seen us on that TV show. Anyway, so we were buying and filling up the house. It was a rental. We knew we weren't going to stay there forever, but we were trying to decide what we wanted to do. And it just dawned on me that I was unhappy in my third job because the stresses are so difficult, you know, for what I did. It was a very stressful uh, environment. Um, but I realized that the big stressor was housing. And we decided that, we didn't want to live that way anymore. So we started unwinding that by getting, we decided we were going to buy land. We were going to build the house we wanted. It was going to be tiny and we were going to start pitching. Now I've always kept uh, what I call a pitch bag, you know, like if you're done with it, it goes. But I started really pitching and we ended up with building a house first. For, we were going to move into the first house we built and my daughter went through a divorce and she needed it more than we did. So we gifted her the first house. And I was, you know, I had financially was able to do that. Um, but then we had to build another one. And after we'd gone through that, we're like, oh my goodness, that's so much work. And we did a lot of the DIY ourselves and it took us a long time to do it. And I was at Home Depot and I saw the sheds in the Home Depot parking lot and went, dragged my hubby up there and said, <laughs> we can live in this. We don't have to do all that other work. We can live in this. So we decided that we were going to buy a shed from Home Depot, put it in the backyard of my daughter's house on our property. So she's in our front yard and I'm in our backyard, uh, in the backyard. And um, we built that tough shed. And we didn't know that we were starting a trend or the beginning of a trend. So uh, we ended up, our house got picked up by Tough Shed, they ask us, this the people who do the Home Depot sheds, if they could feature it in their um, newsletter. Sure. And then nothing really happened. But about a, maybe six or eight months ago, three or four different bloggers have picked up our house and yeah. I pick up Facebook and there it is. Or I go yeah. to Pinterest and there it is. And <laughs> it's been a weird, fun ride. But I think people realize. And so if I say to people, well, I live in a shed, they go, Okay. Uh oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I had to show um, it while you talking. Like, there's your That's house. That's right. There's my house. It looks like the sheds at Home Depot parking lot. Uh, obviously, we've done a few things to make it a little different, but um, yeah. So we really enjoy the lack of overhead mm -hmm. that we have, and because of that, I was able to quit the corporate grind and uh, give up all those titles. I ended up moving into being a professional organizer. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't done that much since COVID. 
yes. obviously. Uh, that one-on-one relationship is really tough when you're trying to be away from each other. But um, because I don't have a mortgage hanging over my head, I am not too worried about the fact that I'm not actively working. So I'm doing some other things online and trying to help other people figure out how to do that, which is why I'm on your show. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. So I want to back up just a bit because you said something that um, is quite intriguing to me. You're walking through Home Depot's parking lot and you see this shed and somewhere in your head, you like say, yeah, I could live in this. Oh, wait, not just me, but I can take my hubby. How did your husband <laughs> respond to this? <laughs> well, it took three trips uh, to get him <laughs> to see there. The <laughs> yeah, right. I'm like, come on, you know, we yeah. can do this. Um, if we just extended this a little bit and we add this and we yeah. add some windows and blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, and a lot of people have said, you know what you always get people online especially since when we go viral people comment oh that's going to blow away in a windstorm or you know they don't oh, that's cheap or whatever we built our house to code so mm-hmm. home depot worked with us to make it match the building codes that are required by our county so it's not okay. just some piece of something that's going to blow away right we've been through four hurricanes um, now we don't have them here. We have what I call leftovers of hurricanes, right? They just come up from Florida or Louisiana lately yeah. and yeah. keep hitting our house. Um, but we, you know, we feel like we were living in a really sturdy house. Um, we did make sure that we met code and we went through all the inspections. And now the, uh, hang on just a minute. It says my internet connection is unstable sure. and I'm going to sure. excuse myself for just sure. a second. Okay. That's right. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, um, Anyway, so we um, decided that we wanted to make sure we met code. And the funny thing is, whenever I go into town and I bump into the code officials, they all come over and give me a hug and <laughs> talk about how great our house is and yeah. how easy it was to do the do this because it was already pre-done. The mm-hmm. outside was already pre-done. And so, of course, I became what I call a code nerd. Um, so I was reading all the things and making sure I was getting everything done. And, you know, this is a it's not an easy path, right? It's a path we chose to do. And it, and I try to explain to people how it can be tricky, but you can do it. Um, but I call myself a tiny house strategist now, um, because I move people from the wish of living the life of simplicity, um, of less stress into how can I get there? First off, it's making the decision second off it's how can I live without all my stuff right because most tiny most houses like this are going to be small and affordable um and the other thing that I really am advocating for is people that are living marginally right now especially with COVID we're seeing homelessness go through the roof and tiny houses shed homes are the answer but we've legislated them out you yeah. can't live in places except expensive or a tent. There's nothing in between. Exactly. So that's a big um, burden on my heart that I'm working through and trying to figure out how I can take these skills that I have and make um, make a difference in our communities too. But yeah. anyway, lots on my plate. But, um, <laughs> what I, but my hubby and I have decided to start a podcast Yes. And I have a Facebook group. And so we're trying to help others with that. Okay. So um, I'm definitely going to get into a little bit more of, of your podcast, but I too, my heart is um, with those who are homeless and living in tents and you are correct. Um, it seems like there's no middle ground, throw them in a shelter. Um, and I, I work right. in home, I work in homeless services. I work in homeless services currently. And so I see what isn't working and things that can work legislation will not write it in um, because it doesn't make money and that's just the truth it doesn't make money and so um, unfortunately people like yourself and myself and others that are in the community that will just put in the hard work to make it happen um, we're left to try to figure it out um, because it it could work and it has worked in some states and it has worked in counties um right. and i think we should take a page from their books and see how we can make that work more more on the east coast than than allowing people to stay in tree lines so yeah. right. <laughs> wood lines right. and i mean the, the the answer is very complicated um of course um and you see thing i'll see things like 
but putting together these homeless encampments in the Seattle, yes. let's say they call them. Um, uh, and then I was in Savannah last week and they have a homeless shelter for veterans, not a shelter, a little homeless village for veterans. Yes. And t things are tiny. They're not as big. They're not much bigger than a bedroom. And they've spent like $50,000 per little thing to do it. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Why would that cost $50,000? I can build right. that thing for $10,000. Why? Is so I think we're seeing some of that get siphoned off into the wrong of course, yeah. Reasons, I don't know. There's reasons that, that it become, I mean, surely the land costs money and tiny houses, you, know, you still have to have a sewer system and a bathroom and a air conditioning and electricity and all those things are what cost money. Not the square footage, it's the infrastructure that costs money. Right, of course. But I think we're missing the boat in some of these and they we get a little sidetracked in that. But, yeah. you know, certainly I'm, so the answers are hard and the answers are also complicated. Uh, how many of them do you build and how, how, if you, if you right. keep building them, do people just keep coming? I mean, it's all very complicated. Of course, but I think we have to try, and I think yes. we have to try to do better. I agree. But, I agree. This is um, a this is an alternative. This is just one of the many alternatives. So why not it's, try? It's, it's from not. Don't be homeless, right? Be figure out how to do it where you're not homeless. You know, while you have an income, while you have some resources, do some things that are different. So you won't turn into somebody that's homeless living under a bridge in Atlanta. So All right. That's so that's kind of my hope. Yes, yes, yes. I, I totally am with you on that. So this is the relationship zone where we talk about love, right. life, and all things relationships. So with that being said, um, we're talking about the lifestyle. Uh, you have a podcast. Right. Tell me a little bit more about that. Right. Uh, it's called Radio Tiny House. Um, hey. My hubby loves old time radio. So that's why he wanted to do use the radio terminology. Um, you know, hubby and I have been married long enough that I don't let him say how long that is. Uh, <laughs> we do have two grown children nice. um, and grandchildren who are downstairs. And that's why I had to fiddle with my internet because they're downstairs playing, but mm -hmm. you know, COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, I think relationships are strained in several ways right? And, and having a long-term relationship borders on a whole bunch of things working right. But one of the first things that people struggle with is money, Money, right? If you are living in a beautiful home with granite countertops and beautiful cars that fit in that garage, but you can't pay your bills, that is a huge stressor on families. Absolutely. So that I think is a big reason why I encourage people to think about the cost of living and where they're living and do they really have to have that in their life. Secondarily, if you live, so you fix that problem, let's say you decide you're going to do build a tiny house. Well, now you're living on top of each other. So that brings <laughs> on a whole nother batch of problems, right? Right. Um, and so sometimes my heavy really irritates me because he's in my space. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes I irritate him. Uh, but so when you're moving into something tiny, you know that you're going to have to figure out how to navigate around each other. So some, some people say, Hey, I want to live tiny, but I've got two big dogs, three children and my <laughs> hubby, and we all want to live in 200 square feet. And I'm like, I would not do that. Right. Everybody needs to have some privacy, their own space of way to get away from people. So there's that kind of balance too. But hubby and I have been living together for a long time. Um, but we do have two big rooms. We have a downstairs living room kitchen, and then we have an upstairs. So if I get, and then we also have added another shed on our property, actually. Okay. Um, and that is now converting into a homeschool room for the grandkids, a guest suite for people. It doesn't have, it's a dry, what we call a dry cabin. It would be, doesn't have potty, right? But people can spend the night there, and then he we had he has his podcast studio and voice acting studio in the back. So it's about twelve by thirty two. So if he gets drives me crazy, I send him away, or I come upstairs, or we go outside, or we've got animals and gardens and things to keep us busy. And you know, I think that's also important to think about if you're going to go tiny, where are, where can you spend your time? Right, mm -hmm. you're not just going to sit on one tiny little sofa because that you need some other spaces. And that's why not only right now, the best way to go tiny is to go rural. Mm -hmm. right? That's where you can do it. 
But yeah. we really want to advocate for tiny in cities where you can go have internet, you can go restaurants, you can live outside in the, you know, on sidewalks and, you know, that kind of thing too. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're so right about living in more of a rural community because unfortunately I live in a very densely populated community. I live right. in Northern Virginia, very close to DC. And DC? yes, I can literally drive out and be in DC and 30 minutes, maybe. It may not take that long, actually, right now, um, depending on traffic. And um, and it's almost impossible to truly live the way you're saying because you don't have enough land mass, right? I mean, right. you're just but stuck you do. in the space and you would have to, you have to figure out where you can actually place the tiny house. In certain cities here, you can place a tiny house of sorts in the backyard. Right. Um, right of sorts in the backyard, but it's nothing like what you have. Like you have beautiful land and that is kind of what I desire to do. <laughs> but <laughs> to do as well. you know, the challenge for that is then you, you know, you kind of can miss like we've eaten at the same restaurants. We have a cute, adorable little town. Uh -huh. uh, so we've eaten at the same restaurants, you know, until we're tired of them. So we want to go somewhere else. So, you know, you do give up things to have that. Of course. Yeah. If we could, a lot of cities are starting to adapt something called an accessory dwelling unit. Absolutely. And that's what you're referring to, like a carriage house in the backyard or the pool house uh, becomes an Airbnb. And I think what's happening more and more is that we're getting, we do have new building codes around that, by the way. Yeah. Um, it's way too much information for this podcast. But um, the, the important piece of that is, is that as more and more people want this, we will be able to get it. They're doing it in San Diego. They've started doing that. They're doing it in San Francisco. They're putting houses in the backs yards mm -hmm, of people's mm -hmm. houses. So yeah. I think it will come. And what makes cities vibrant? What makes cities vibrant is for people to be all different kinds, colors, ages, ethnicities, mm -hmm. interest, right? That's what keeps cities to be an interesting place to be. Yeah. So I think it's coming, but I think it's harder back to relationships, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't have all those other pieces that come together, it can be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how, when you initially sold this idea to your hubby, right. I know you said it took a couple of times. Um, right. Like at what point did he jump completely on board? Because again, and not just, not just your hubby, but the overall family, like now, because, you know, we're all connected. So the decisions right. that, that mom and dad makes, Basically, right. we're like, we got to kind of be on board as well. So how did you right. wind up getting everyone on board? And how long did that actually take um, for everyone to kind of see well, your vision? <laughs> you know, I don't, I think the first house, well, well, first off, I'm one of those people who has lots of ideas and they yeah. are always coming out my mouth. Yeah. So some <laughs> of them just go through everybody else's heads. Right. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So, you know, I think when we bought the property, right? And when they could see, so I had, we had the money to buy the property, buy the land. And I had been talking about, we've always talked about living in this community because we like it. Okay. Um, it's got a really adorable kind of a, a downtown and people we've always sort of on, on our dreams, we'd say, oh, it'd be really nice to live there. Yeah. So that wasn't as much of a stretch mm -hmm. um, because everybody kind of in the family kind of thought this would be a cool place to live. Okay. Um, Finding the actual land, once we walked on the property and we started doing that, that started to make it easier. And then, you know, it just was, a t it evolved. Honestly, we've been working on this project five or six years, right? Because we started, we bought the land, then we had to decide what we were gonna do. Then we had to build house one, tiny house one. Um, and then the transition to tiny house two or our tough shed, um, that took a little bit. The main thing I had to be able to tell hubby that we could do, and here's the funny thing, is that we would have uh, two bathrooms. Oh, that's important. Right? I needed my own space and he <laughs> needed his own space. So it's totally one and a half. But um, once we could figure out how to do that, it seemed a little bit more livable. So we weren't on top of each other. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. I love it. So how much land are you actually sitting on currently? Like you, you got We're the two houses. Almost three, almost three acres. Okay. Each awesome. House so you have in, two in houses. My county, each house has to have an acre in my county. So okay. they're split up. 
Nice. And you have animals for the grands. Oh yeah. Way too many. (laughs) But that's the beauty of living a little bit outside of the city. I mean, that's really the beauty of, I have a girlfriend that not, not too long ago, she purchased about 20 acres of land south of here. And when I went to visit, I, I could see so many things that could be popping up on her land. It's so beautiful. I grew up on a farm. And so my mind always goes back to that living when I, right. when I lived as a kid, I just remember so many things that we were afforded to have on that beautiful land. <laughs> so right. I could totally and, and- dig it. Well, that makes a difference too. But, you know, I think we have, and I try to explain to people, it, yes, a lot of people that live in cities can't even imagine what we're doing. But the nice thing about it is we're far enough away from the city that we're away from everything, but we're close enough to the city to be near everything. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I, if I want to go to downtown Atlanta, it's I'm, it's a straight shot. We live kind of on like on the end of the big highway, straight mm-hmm. shot, it takes me 55 minutes to get into the city. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, a lot of people commute that every yes. single day. Yes. So I, of course I don't go during rush hour traffic, but <laughs> um, it takes me 55 minutes to get there and I don't go that often. So I don't really put a lot of miles on my car if I want to go. Uh, but if I don't want to be involved in what's happening in the city, then I don't have to be involved in that. Yeah. So it's kind of a nice mix. I try to encourage people to think about, to start looking about an hour outside, yeah. usually about an hour of the city. Now, DC is a little different because one city different. begins and ends and, yeah. you know, it all yeah. kind of melts together from DC to Philly it's, or New York. It all sort of turns into one big city. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're not in the Northeast in that tight corridor, corridor um usually if you were an outside an hour outside you can do it and you can um figure out how to make the commute work mm-hmm. you know yeah now a lot of people don't even have to worry about that commute so it just no. depends on where you are and how your employment you know that your the demands of your employment and your position and your role has well you know we're evolved. seeing people flee cities right now look at they New York are. City because they don't have to be in the city because they don't have to have as long as you got an internet connection yeah, now, yeah a lot of rural places have struggled with internet but now that Elon Musk is putting up Starlink we're either all going to die of cancer because it's all going to kill yeah. us yeah. or we're all going to have amazing internet and we'll be and we'll be okay <laughs> and we'll be okay and we we'll be okay all right, so let's move on just a little. Uh, I want to know a little bit more about, I know you have your Facebook group and um, yes. and you're obviously beginning to help people not to just have the ideal of living this type of life, right? But actually bringing it to fruition. And so right. I want to know a little bit more about, you know, that part of, of Beth W. Smith. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so we, in our Radio Tiny House, we talk a lot about just our experience and some of the other things, you know, trying to keep people or help people understand you can live this life. Uh, In the Facebook group, we're trying to get people to get from A to Z, you know, because it's complicated, um, they need a lot of support and people try and they get stuck. And so my goal is to inspiration right? So mm-hmm. I interview people who have done it. I have Facebook lives every Sunday night and I interview people who have actually done it. Um, or I present some way, you know, we talk about some other things, but, um, and then I'm, tr- I'm putting together, uh, just a simple course about how to get started. Um, nice. I'm doing workshops every, every month we'll start having workshops where people can sit down with me and figure out the answers to their places where they're stuck. And I can help them. I, I didn't know how much I knew till I started doing this. And I have so much stuff stored in my brain because I've been researching this for so long. Right. It just makes sense for me to share it. Wow. That's what I'm doing. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. So I have to, you know, like in your class or in the workshops, um, you start with people at different places or I mean, places in their, their journey and transitioning into this lifestyle or is everyone pretty much kind of starting at the same and then you just take that class or those group of people on and you pick up another group. How do you actually do that? So what we start with in the workshop is people who are trying to figure out where and how. Okay. Right. 
So I don't teach people how to build their house because that's ridiculous. There's no way right. I can teach you how to build your house for your space, your, right. your county and meet all your county codes or whatever you have to do. But what I do help them do is figure out where and how and the strategies about who they have to talk to, where that, what they have to do to get it to happen. Uh, so we investigate all those things together. So usually the people that are in my group, first off, most of them are dreamers. <laughs> and want to do it and not everybody will and that's okay um but the workshops are you know how who do i have to talk to where do i have to find land i live in virginia yeah where could i do that here how could i make that work how, where where do i need to even start it's the where do i even start that we really help people get past that hump and then some people decide and the other piece of that is how could I even do it? Because I don't see myself living in a small house, right? Um, but some people with COVID are going, that's my only choice right now. I've got to make a choice, yeah. got to make choices that are harder. So um, yeah, that's kind of the, the, let me help you get the strategy of how you're going to get to where you want to go. And do you really want it badly enough to do it? This is not yeah. a, this is not a tomorrow project. This is a project that might take you a year. You know, it wow. might take you two yeah. to make it all happen. Pay off your debt, get rid of downsize, throw things away, find land. This isn't something that takes a little bit of time. This is a real commitment. Right, right, right. So how, how long did it actually take you to get where you, where the structure was up, you were ready to move in from your planning to finish? How long did it take you to actually get that up? So we've owned our property for about five years. We built tiny house one. I call it tiny house one. It's my daughter's yeah. house. Um, and that took us almost two years to accomplish okay. for lots of reasons. There was some weird reasons, but yes. <laughs> and then we built, but and then we built ours right on the heels of that. And people say, well, you don't have very many pictures of you building. I'm like, I was done with taking pictures. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I just let me get in it. Right. And we took a trip to London in there. And, you know, cause we had we had promised somebody that we were going and I'm like, we're in the middle of building a house and we're, you know, which is fine. We just put it on hold. But um, yeah. So now that when I look back at it, I think about how much time and commitment that was. Um, but I'm so glad in the end. Now there are many ways now that you can do it easier than I did. Uh -huh. Right. Tiny house one took us so long. This one took six days to put up. Oh my God. Six days for the exterior. Now we yeah. had to finish up the interior, but six days. So I didn't have to work so hard. So that's what I'm trying to help people figure out. So you got your frame up real quick. That was nothing. <laughs> no. Then so the drywall this, and the insulation, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Care. Yeah. So now this may be a crazy question. I know that every house needs a foundation. So when you had this idea, was the first thing that you had to do was make sure that you, you, you had to go and get um, the foundation poured. I mean, how does that actually work? How do you... I mean, I guess in a way it's like any other house, except it it's kind of prefab already. To get, it's, yeah, it's, it's really cool right. when I think about it, but you had to get this foundation You're in right. place and regardless. Right. And we had done a foundation that we don't love on our daughter's house for a, long, <laughs> a lot of reasons. So we decided to do something different, but we yeah. have, you can do it in various ways. Some people just Stick it on the ground. Like if you're living in a place where there are no codes, you just throw mm -hmm. this thing on the ground and you're living that way and your house will eventually fail. Yes. Um, and I discourage that. So um, the, main, mo the most important thing is the foundation, right? And we did not mm -hmm. do that ourselves. I laugh and say, we don't do anything that will kill us yes. on our own. <laughs> no electricity. <laughs> no, we don't crawl on roofs. We don't <laughs> want to be killed. And the foundation is really important. It's That's gotta important. be perfect, right? Because everything else relies on that. Yeah. So we hired our foundation done. We've made it in a, it's concrete block. Yeah. So as you see on the picture, you I might want to show the picture. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. It almost looks like it's sitting on a small basement, but it's yeah. just a, a taller concrete block foundation. Mm -hmm. And you know why to know why that is? Because uh, we knew we were crawling under that house to put insulation under there. And I am claustrophobic. Yeah. So we made it a little taller so we could get under there and put insulation under there. Yeah. I, so that's that's why, concrete block. Yeah. That's why I asked it because I was like, they're on an actual solid foundation. foundation. 
Yeah. <laughs> so now since you can you can be on concrete in where we live. You can just have a concrete pad. Slab, so we yeah. would have had a slab and lowered mm -hmm. that thing, which in some ways would have been easier for old people to get up the stairs. But um, we just thought we don't really like that. We we wanted a real foundation, so that's okay. What we did. But we hired that done. So this is your entire with, master bedroom, correct? That's my master bedroom. It's sixteen by twenty four. Wow, that's pretty big. And my, down, and my downstairs is 16 by 24. So I call it a tiny house because the average house is 2,500 square feet. And this mm -hmm. is 768. It's an apartment, girl. I love it. It's an apartment. Exactly. <laughs> an apartment. So I'm in the upstairs. And behind me is, well, that's, you know, that's the window to the front yeah. of the house. Where, yeah. over there. And I, I actually, thank you. I sit in my one of the reasons I sit where I am is because I think a lot of people don't put it together that you, that somebody actually lives there. That makes sense. Or it wouldn't work. Right. For people. So yeah. I always do this from my bedroom. Yeah. Well, no, it's beautiful. It's Thank beautiful. You. you got designed and styled. Well, when you, when you got up early, I was like, that is a full queen size bed in there. This thing is beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I love yeah. it. All right, so let me ask these last couple of questions before we go. Um, what do you believe for most people is the biggest challenge whenever they're trying to evolve into this minimalist life, making themselves, you know, building a tiny home or just decreasing things? Like, what do you find right. the biggest challenge that you are running into? Well, so let me go back to my professional organizing experience <laughs> okay. like to answer that question. Um, the first thing, well, it's our, our connection to our possessions mm. starts when we're about five. Okay. Maybe four. You see it in the playground. That's my giraffe. That's my thing. There's no reason that that giraffe is yours and you can't share it, but we own it because it's ours. And so through our life, we start buying things, mm -hmm. a picture uh, and I've got them too, but I've gotten rid of a lot of them, but mm -hmm. a picture, a piece of clothing, a, a shoe, things that have weird emotional connections. Why are we connected to an old pair of shoes that doesn't fit anymore? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I'm helping people that are in, when I'm helping people organize my focus, because I'm now a minimalist and I live tiny, right. Is downsizing. And it's, very interesting to see that people can't process that you don't use it, you need to get rid of it. But what if I might need it? Well, if you do need it, you could buy another one, right? <laughs> yes. But it goes way beyond that psychologically. So the first thing I think people, first off, they have to be motivated for something, right? They have to go, I can't stand this clutter. I don't want to live this life anymore. I can't afford this life anymore. There's got to be something that's a catalyst to all of that. Right. Or that. But what happens is when we have so much stuff, we are exhausted by it. You're cleaning it. You're moving it. You're going to the container store and buying pretty containers to put it in. You're trying to get into your closet and you can't find anything. You've got big jeans and little jeans. It's exhausting mentally and physically, right? So if you find that you can just clear that for yourself, it makes life so much easier. Mm. And I really try to help folks understand that getting away from the stuff that you've claimed is yours, right? will make it so much easier to move into this lifestyle or decide this is the right lifestyle. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, when I think about it, for me, I know I was trying to, well, I mean, I, I downsized several times, got rid of a lot of things and it is so freeing. But I do it know is. that when I was like in a home, I had all this up, you know, I had to upkeep all these things and still raising a family, of course. And I thought that they needed all these items to feel balanced and to feel, you know, okay. Um, right. I felt like I was just tied to it and it was not freeing. And when I was away from it, I was worrying about it. And I was like, I don't want to live like this. This is, I, I can't do this. this. I think it works for some people, but certain spirits, certain types of people, certain personalities, it doesn't work for. And for me personally, I did it just because I thought that's what I was supposed to do to provide for my children. 
But yeah. once they became grown, I was like, nope, I'm getting rid of this. I'm getting rid of that. I don't want to have this. I don't want to have that. And I'm still shedding these items. So, well, and you, and I, listen, I'm not perfect either. I go, why do I have that? Oh, or we go and we buy. So we are on the one in one out process, yes. right? <laughs> if I get something, I have to get rid of something. Get rid um, of because it. <laughs> otherwise my poor little house will be totally full of junk again. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's really hard, but I think if you realize that it starts at a very young age mm -hmm. and you realize it start thinking through why you have attachments to things, mm -hmm. um, and you can let it go. I started out with Marie Kondo and you've probably seen her. Uh, she had a big Netflix thing for a little while. I started reading her books and um, she just really talks about only keep the things that give you joy. Mm. Don't just keep it because you bought it. Keep it if it gives you joy. That makes it so much easier to part with things that don't give you joy. Yes. Oh my goodness. Makes yeah. It's so much simpler. I, I, I certainly hope that those that are listening, um, they're getting something from this because Sometimes we feel like we're so in bondage with our things, yes. but in fact, it's so, so freeing when you get rid of it, you it know, is. give it away, donate it. So I have to, I need to know what you do with your shoes when you were starting to become this minimalist because <laughs> you were in corporates. So I know you had heels. <laughs> I had heels. Uh, well, it helped that I don't have to do that anymore. So yes. I do have my heels and I do have my shoes. Um, you know, I, first off, I mainly kept the black ones. Yes. Those, you got to keep those. Go with everything. <laughs> and then occasionally I'll buy myself a pair of teal shoes, which I yes. just did the other day. Um, I have, my closet is 33 inches long, right? No way. It's 33 inches wide. And then my hubby um, has the, I have the bottom half and he has the top half. Um, and then my shoes are tucked in under here and there are several places where we put my, sh our shoes, but mine too. Um, but you know, I just pared down. I figured I just be classic, you know, yeah. but then occasionally I'll do something fun. Okay. Yeah. The shoes are hard. The boots shoes are hard. Are, the shoes are hard. And you're, so I don't know how cold it gets in Northern Atlanta because you're North of Atlanta. So I don't know how cold it's it gets. It's not that in. much different from where you are. Really okay, so what about your bulky coat? Okay, you must have a storage, Beth. I don't. Oh I tell you what God. I do. I layer and I, I will take shirts that are similar in shape. Yeah. Right? Like collared shirts. Three uh -huh. or four of them go on a hanger. On a hanger, yes. I, I put them on top of each other. I have coats that I have layered, right? So I have this section for my coat. I've got like a fur, fake fur one and I've got a, mm -hmm. like a long red one and whatever, but I don't, I don't buy anything that's really long. Cause I have half a, I have short hang, right? Okay. I have a half a closet. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not important to me anymore. I don't really care if I've got a, something that keeps me warm and looks cute, obviously got to mm -hmm. look cute, yeah. um, but I'll have to have 14 of them. I can have one and then I dress it up and do different things with it or wear scarves or layer. So I don't really need as many things because I wear, I dress in classically, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, you know, man. Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs only wore black t-shirts. So yeah. That's what he became. Exactly. He I mean, that. I, I don't have to yeah. have that many things. Yeah. He really didn't, it, it was not that big of a deal. And, and he, you know, the doors open no matter where he went. So it's cool to wear your black shirt. It's okay. Exactly. Um, I wish many, I wish more of us could kind of think like that so that we could free ourselves and, and I'm working with self. So I'm, you know, I'm, I definitely am trying to become more and more conscious and putting in effort to do that. Um, sometimes we get caught up in worrying about what everyone else is going to think and say about us. So I've been yeah. shedding that skin and, if I show up with the same shirt on, guess what? It's my shirt. And I chose to do that, <laughs> you know? Right. And it's, right. I do wear, I confess, I do wear a lot of black. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like it. It's simple. I, it goes with everything. And um, yeah, so I do wear a lot of black. Uh, of course, I lived in Seattle. So what else would you expect from me? Yeah. Because everybody yeah. in Seattle wear only black. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I, I'm the same way. I don't, I'm just, I've just shed if they don't like the way I show up. Cause I always look nice, you know, yes. I'm not going to look like a bomb, yeah. but I might be wearing the same thing you saw me the last time. Oh, well, yeah, I own it. I own it. It's mine. I own I like it. it. <laughs> and the reason like why it. I kept this one is because I like it. <laughs> exactly. This is my favorite shirt I'm wearing. Right, so right. I keep it because I like it. 
Yeah, that's the thing that brings you joy. This shirt brings me joy, so I kept it. <laughs> right, exactly. All right. You so see, now you already have it. Yes, yes, yes. Now that I'm asking you what was the most chal- what is the most challenging thing that you see, tell me for you personally, what has been the most rewarding of this entire experience? Being able to quit my corporate job and not having to smile when somebody is being an idiot. That's my boss. Oh, that is beautiful. That is be- now okay. I have to ask. I know hubby's not here, but he still works, or he he was able to walk away as well. Well, so uh, we transitioned back from Seattle to Atlanta during the height of the recession, and he had a hard time finding work. Okay. So he ended up because we were able to live mortgage free. He's he went back and got his master's. Uh, working on that. And then he moved into voice acting, which was totally awesome. uh, Totally a a surprise, I suppose, but he, he does uh, radio commercials. He Mm -hmm. does, um, you know, corporate narration. Yeah. There's a big corporation here in Georgia that when you walk in, he welcomes you into the corporate office. (laughs) You know, it's kind of cool. That's my husband. (laughs) That's my husband. Yeah. I know that voice anywhere. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Um, and so, but you know, that has been taken a while for his business to grow. And so, because we don't have the overhead that we would have had otherwise, then he had the opportunity to do that. So we would never have been able to do, we never mortgage free, mortgage free. There's so many people listening to that and they're like mortgage free. What would that even be like? (laughs) So I, for a long time, we didn't have, I didn't even have a car payment. I had uh, an older Volvo that we had paid off and I finally am just donating it. I have a friend who's amazing and he, mm-hmm. it was getting, getting kind of old. And this guy that um, is my friend has an uh, amazing car, car shop. Mm-hmm. They do all kinds of stuff, but they're just amazing mechanics. Anyway, every year they have um, a, a single mother, bring your car in for oil change day. Oh, nice. I just had it. And, um, so I, and I know that sometimes the cars that come in are really awful and they hate to give the cars back to the mom because, so they'll do, they'll fix it up or something. Um, and they'll let single mom have, you know, anyway, every once in a while they'll have a car that they'll give her. Right. So I just gave him my old car nice because he's going to give it to a single mom who needs a new car and they are going over it with a fine tooth comb to make it so Okay. Now, if I had had a mortgage and had to worry about my finances in a different way, I would have sold that car, Yeah. right? Because I don't have to do that. I was able to gift them that car, Mm -hmm. right? So it changes your perspective about what you have to do for things. You know, I don't have a lot of overhead. I can do things that I would like to do that I'm not worried about the financial piece of that. That makes sense. I I didn't have to sell the car. It's beautiful. I mean, I, I, I just love it. And, you know, I am certain that your journey is not at its end. There's going to be so much more to this story and all the things that you're going to be able to do and help others to be able to do. And that is the part that I love the most is just watching this story continue to evolve and to unfold the greatness that is just yet wait to be waiting to be seen. So I'm, I, I love it. Um, I want to con- definitely stay connected. I want to hear more um, in the future about your podcast and when your training start, I would love to be able to share that information on our great. Facebook page and um, definitely on my Instagram page. So when you get all of that information packaged up, send it over to me so I can share that um, because I'm sure that there are going to be listeners that are going to be interested in at least starting this journey, getting some information. Um, because for me, I'm in the inquiring stage, like, okay, yes, get a little bit of information here. It's what I already want to do. So I know I'm in the right path. I just need to see someone that has done it, you know, and here exactly. you are. Yeah. <laughs> and no, and kind of somebody that's plowed the field, if you will, yeah, because it yeah. is, it is complicated but it is doable. And that's the piece that I want to encourage people to understand. You can do this. You just have to make choices that are different than what you're currently making. It's just about choice. 
Yeah. Well, again, Beth, thank you so much. Um, if you can share really quick for the listeners and for those that are viewing how they can follow you, how they can find you, I'll give you that okay. moment to do that. Great. Um, my Our podcast is Radio Tiny House. It's everywhere that you have podcasting. Um, and we have a, a website called radiotinyhouse.com. So you can go there um, and uh, communicate with us there. There's a contact page there. Um, I also run, I have my own website, bethwsmith.com. Um, you know, but I don't have, I'm, you know, I certainly have a lot of information there and you can contact me there. And then the bring our work right now is on Facebook because that's where people are finding us and we want to be where people can find us, right? And yeah, you can say all you want to do about Facebook, but there's a billion people on Facebook. So yes. that's where we're working. Um, our, my Facebook group is Tiny Houses Shed Homes. If you just Google Tiny Houses in there in Facebook, you'll find me. Um, and we're doing, certainly would love to have you, invite you into the group. Yeah. Yeah. I do interviews. I try to do inspirational stories. I try to keep people motivated on their journey. And then that's where we'll be we're offering the workshops too. So it'll be easy for people to just click and go and not webinars and all that stuff. We're just trying to help people work their way through this process. We'll get you there yeah. if you want it. Yeah, well, I definitely want it. So thank you so much cool. Beth, for stopping by the relationship zone where we're talking only about love, life, and all things relationships. Um, and I'm so glad that you shared your story with us today. And I look forward to dropping into that group, getting as much information as I can and start this journey. I, I, I'm looking at another year and a year or two because I have a daughter that's in college. Well, this that is the is, first pot. This is when has, you start need to do it. Look, that just came back home. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, exactly. Yes, yes. That just came back home. Um, so definitely I'm, I'm looking at, um, planning out for the next year to just continue that minimalist lifestyle, um, for myself, because it, it's just me now. And, and this makes more sense to me than anything else. And so thank you so yeah. much. Oh, you're so welcome. And giving us the information. Um, I, I I loved it. And, and I can't wait to share more of your story out there. Awesome. So thank you thank again. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. See ya. That was amazing. I had such a great time chatting with Beth. Um, really got me thinking. Like, how would it actually be if I could? I mean, I live in a small flat right now. So imagine having no mortgage or no rent to pay. You just pay your, you know, your property tax, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I know many of you that probably are listening, maybe that is the lifestyle you have, but for me, it's not. And so um, I'm trying to find a way out of the hustle and bustle, and I'm trying to find a way out of the status quo and the regular flow of things. And I live in a very complex city, and it's less about the money, and it's more about the peace of mind, right? Because there's no real rest here. And I love the city, but there's no real mental rest when your spirit says you should be living in a different space or living a different way so I don't know I think I, I just gotta think about this thing I mean what did you guys think like could you become a minimalist could you actually live in a tiny house it takes a lot of work and I think what was most um intriguing to me is how Beth and her husband uh how they work together in partnership there's nothing more beautiful than when a relationship can work in sync. And I'm sure it wasn't perfect, but they've ultimately been able to pursue their, their own dream and watch it manifest itself and come to life. And they've been able to find ways to work together, build this home, change careers, leave careers, start new ventures, all from making the decision to say, you know what, financially, you know, we're going to let some things go. We're going to get rid of some debt. We're going to invest properly here. We're going to buy property there. And who cares what others say? We're going to live in a shed. 
And that shed is beautiful. Come on now. It's not like it's a, a crappy little shed. And it's not like they could not afford more. They made a conscious decision to live out their days a lot or a little more or a little less stressed. How about that? A little less stressed. After the show, after recording, I'm sorry, I spoke with Beth about um, her overall vision for this. And she really wants to create and she has the skills to do so. And she's offering those skills and offering those tips and planning to people like myself. And um, she and I, we're going to do some stuff together because yeah, this is the life that I, I'm wanting. And it's, it's very important to create a community around this. And so I, I want to get connected. So, and if you are listening or if you're watching and you have either lived in a tiny home, I mean, not like a tiny house where you're still paying $2,000 a month, <laughs> but an official shed life. If you have, have transitioned or you've experienced this, then tell me about it. I want to know like, what was the pros and cons? if you did live in this space and, 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 and would you, or are you still presently there? And also um, I would love to know if there's anyone that's interested in doing it. So I can make sure that I share the links with you and I would love to watch your, watch your journey unfold because right now I'm on the sideline, you know, just because life has turned things back around and now I got my daughter back home and we got to get her through, you know, either college or local community college whatever she decides to do with her life because you know you know kids still have dreams right and so I, I don't want to uh, make things complicated for her it's only a little sacrifice to me a little 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 longer maybe a year but in this year I'm going to be planning so while I'm planning and sitting on the sideline lines I would love to know about your journey and if this is what you're doing then definitely you know keep me in the loop because I'm looking for inspiration and I'm looking for ways that I can do this too Okay, so it is your girl, Queenie, with the Relationship Zone podcast, and I am so appreciative of you stopping by where we're talking about love, life, and all things relationships. Um, please drop us a comment, leave me a message, follow me on social media at the Relationship Zone podcast, or the Relationship Zone, um, everywhere that you are on social media, I'm probably there. Well, I'm not on Periscope. I haven't figured that out yet, but you can definitely follow me on IG, Twitter. You can find, I'm not talking a whole lot on Twitter, but you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on um, Facebook. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm out there. I'm doing my thing. But again, thank you um, for tuning in and for watching. And um, remember that iron sharpens iron. And I do hope that something you hear on one of these shows, <clears throat> excuse me, only sharpens you and does not harm you. That's my heart talking to your heart. Sugar Queenie, I'm out. Bye, everyone.